It's time for JT the Brick. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Target drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown Raiders. It's cut by Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. JT the Brick. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. What separated Cliff was he was amazing, meticulous route runner. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome in to Raider Nation Radio, post 4th of July, JT on the flagship. Of the Silver and Black. Hope you had a wonderful long holiday weekend here. Everybody I work with, everybody behind the scenes. Welcome into Raider Nation Radio, the summer of Cliff Branch. As that continues and it gets real heavy at the start of next week as we continue counting down to one of the great wide receivers of all time and his upcoming induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Harry Ruiz will be here for the second hour of the show. i got to catch a flight. Uh, what happens to me this time of year, every year, is I do a lot of radio shows, not only this one, my national show on Sirius XM, which I'll be doing tonight in L.A., another national show tomorrow, and then back here. So I call it double dipping. Usually I'm triple dipping, uh, working over the holidays on 4th of July last night and thrilled to be here today. So it's kind of one hour and then one hour of Harry Ruiz, and Harry will be in with me will be in for me tomorrow, and I always appreciate the support you give Harry, who's the Latino voice of the silver and black. Keep calling in. The guy's confident. He's really good. It's his first real big run here on Sports Talk Radio. He's a great play-by-play voice and content provider. So, again, Harry Ruiz at the top of the hour, a summer of Cliff. And like I said, if you get an opportunity on Twitter, at JT the Brick or on the phones at 702-365-9200. I'm asking Raider fans to call in on Cliff. Not so much today. We'll have more content near the end of the week here as we get going. I have 4th of July voice, so bear with me there for a second. And thanks to PTs as they fuel the monologue. A lot of people were able to watch Wimbledon, watch UFC, or pre-party at a PTs for that happy hour, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m. post-UFC, and uh, they do a great job. A lot, of, a lot of UFC fans and boxing fans, but UFC uh, this past weekend, as it was an amazing week in Vegas, uh, tweeted, texted, and were stopping by at PTs as they start to show off, as always. At the top of the hour, we'll be thanking other partners and reminding you what we're doing the rest of the week here. So with the Raiders, we're getting ready for the rookies to report and then the veterans to report here as it's counting down here in a couple of weeks. It's Raider vacation, as we call it here. But there's always Raider content here on the flagship of the team. Brett Favre's comments on Devontae Adams not potentially having the uh, year that he could have with Aaron Rodgers made a little bit of news. Mad Max sitting octagon side at UFC was a really cool story. Derek Carr. Uh, getting his golf game ready for the really difficult American Century Celebrity Golf Championship. That's a big deal. And hoping all Raider players as they're back home, a lot of them, the majority of them coaches visiting their family and friends and getting in there one last break before the start of the season, have a really good time. So last Thursday and Friday, I, was, I drove out to L.A., Costa Mesa, on Wednesday of last week, and I drove back uh, this Sunday right before the 4th of July. Beautiful drive through the Vegas desert 
to get to Southern California and then drove to San Diego with my son. Uh, my son came with me for some special radio and was fantastic with content. And it's mostly NBA, as I told you. I'm a talk show for, uh, show host first. And the NBA has been king here the last couple of weeks, let alone last couple of days. And we got some NBA content to get to you this hour. But last Thursday was remarkable with Kevin Durant as he requested a trade and then all the big deals that went down. Zion here over the weekend probably gets the the most undeserving, undeserving contract in sports history, the potential for $231 million on an extension, and he's missed 65% of the games he's ever played or could have played in the NBA. So that's ridiculous. The Lakers feeling out like they could get Kyrie Irving, which is very fluid. Durant's going to make a decision, and maybe there is no decision where he could end up. And if that changes, you'll hear about it here on the flagship. So just a crazy time. And the NBA has done a nice job of keeping the content away from the NFL. There's not a lot of NFL content. The disciplinary hearing of Deshaun Watson after three days is that decision's going to come out. And everything that's going on now, as everything's fluid, Things change, and the NBA says, we're ready to roll. The USFL had their championship game, which wasn't bad. Uh, second half of that game was really competitive as Birmingham beat Philadelphia. That was a fun game to watch. So congratulations to the USFL for getting through year one. XFL coming up next year. And the excitement of the countdown to Cliff in Canton, Ohio, as more and more people are realizing this is going to be a Raider Mecca, and if you get a chance to be a part of this, get on out there and let us know if you're going, where you're going to be, and you'll find us. If you're going to Canton, Ohio, the Raiders will be there. There's the Hall of Fame game against Jacksonville, and then a Cliff Branch entire weekend hosted by Mark Davis and Elaine Branch, the Branch family, which could be one of the most remarkable turnouts in the history of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So this hour, I'm going to start off with Kurt Heelan, who's coming into town for NBA Summer League, my longtime friend and the lead insider for the NBA for NBC Sports. Give him a follow at Basketball Talk. And Kurt, thanks for joining us post-July 4th. And I got to go back to last week, as I just mentioned, Thursday, Friday. Is it fair to say that that was one of the biggest news-breaking stories you've covered with free agency and the Durant News in your entire career? It was absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, some of this was, some of the fast and furious signings were expected, right? Like Zach Levine and Zion and on the line. But the Durant news, you know, Irving opts in, then Durant asks out, has thrown everything into chaos. And by the way, kind of stalled the market out. Like, what happened early was, like I said, the kind of pre-done things everybody expected. There were certainly some surprises and a Rudy Gobert trade, but the market's a little stalled out now. Well, everybody kind of waits to see what happens with Durant because people who's filling out their rosters and how are they filling it out uh, with some of these contending teams is kind of up in the air. So does it look like Durant who is requesting Phoenix and or Miami and teams are looking is Durant in a bind now because you know, Boston and the Lakers and other teams that can't do the deal and teams that what might want them, the Warriors, I'd like to get your comment on a package that they could do if they wanted to do that and break the Internet. But how many options does Durant have right now for the teams he requested? How comfortable is he sitting back saying, I'm going to get what I want? I, You know, it's an interesting list because it was the, the public list that we know of, at least, is a two-team list. And Miami, it's really hard to put together a deal that works. Um, either you've got to give up Jimmy Butler, who I'm not sure Brooklyn really wants if they're going to rebuild, 
um, and, and pair with Ben Simmons. I don't, I'm not sure how that goes. Or you're kind of taking a – well, it's Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and some nice players and some picks, but not really a Kevin Durant-like haul. So I'm not sure if Miami comes together. I, that, that, I will say that that's quieted down from what I've heard. It, what I keep hearing is a Phoenix. Obviously, they're kind of in the front, and they're looking at three team deals because I'm not sure Brooklyn wants to take on DeAndre Ayton, but you need his sign and trade to make the money work. Well, I'll tell you, more and more people are talking about Toronto. Like, but, you know, the, the Lakers can't really get into. They don't. They, they can get it. They, they will get Kyrie Irving, but they're not going to get Kevin Durant. The Philadelphia could get into it, but I keep hearing about Toronto just because. They can put together – you want an all-NBA player? we got Pascal Siakam, and we can give you OG Ananobi, who's a quality rotation player. we got a ton of picks and help you build out from here and, and, re, and repair, replace the picks that are all you know, in Houston right now. Um, I don't – the Warriors have got to kick it around a little bit, but I, the mm-hmm. first thing you've got to do, isn't it, JT, is to put out a feeler like, hey, would you come back here? Would you like – because you could get disruptive Durant or, hey, this is a good idea, Durant. I'm not sure he wants to go back there, but if I'm if I'm Bob Myers, I've got to find out, right? I have to at least yeah. check. Yeah, I think you got to check, and I don't think it makes sense for Durant to go back there. He's been. I there, don't either. I don't think. He, and, and, I don't. I don't think. Not that he look. He steered the ship wherever he wanted to steer the ship of his career without much concern for other people. But I think he realizes that, that would, if he goes back, it would just kind of play weirdly, play poorly. I think with with the general fan. Kurt Heelan is our guest as we continue. What'd you say about Kyrie to the Lakers? So that jumped out at me. You really think that that's the organization's move and how do they pull it off? Does he opted in and uh, with Brooklyn and how do they match it up? What are you suspecting they can do if they pull it off? Look, I think it happens because nobody, there's not another option, right? Like there are not teams clamoring for Kyrie Irving and the teams that might have interest that it might take a flyer. Everybody knows he's a rental. He wants to end up with the Lakers. So, Nobody else is jumping into the game. I think it might take a little while because, again, the only way to make this work is to bring in Russell Westbrook. And if you're Brooklyn, I guess it kind of depends on where you are. If you're, if you, it depends on what the full package is. If you're not trying to necessarily win at all next year, then Russell Westbrook's a forty-seven million dollar expiring contract. They didn't want him mm-hmm. when they thought they were going to have Kevin Durant, and they were trying to win because. Russell Westbrook does not help you win at, at a high level at this point in his career. But if that's not the goal, <laughs> you know, if, if you're retooling for a couple of years, then that that's a lot of money that comes off the books. But then that's right now. It's just the parameters of the deal. Is there a third team that takes Westbrook? Um, is Joe Harris part of this? Cause they'd like to offload his 30. Well, he's got two years at 18 million basically left on his. And look, he could still help a team when he's healthy, but, they want to get off all of this. So it's just how big the deal gets at this point and who else is involved. But there's, they're not talking to anybody else. He, he will be a Laker. Wow. Kurt Heelan, he will be a Laker. Good to hear that. As we move on to Zion's contract extension, I think it's the most undeserving major contract in the history of sports because sports contracts don't go over $200 million. That's just starting now, and he's never played. He's not available. So if he played most of it and then got hurt at the very end, I see it here. And I understand why they did it. They can't afford to lose him. But 
you know, then there's a guy like Zion that doesn't have to agree to that, and he's closer to getting out of New Orleans and getting to free agency again. Walk me through the mindset of the Pelicans giving him that potentially up to $231 million. They are making the Joel Embiid bet, right? And remember, Joel Embiid, now there were some injury caveats on his contract when he signed it. But remember, he didn't play his first two years. And when he did mm-hmm. play his third year, you're like, yeah, he could be really special, right? Like, he, he only played 31 games that year, and he almost still won Rookie of the Year. Um, I think that that's the bet. When Zion has played, he's fantastic. He's been an elite inside scorer, and you're just betting that he's going to be able to stay healthy, that having C.J. McCollum around as a team leader is going to help solidify kind of his place. He's really done a good job of bringing him in and making him feel part of the fold, and the vibe around them is better. And they're making a huge bet, JT. I mean, it's just that's a lot of money on the table. Um, By the way, I know everybody's reporting 231. It's it's 191 unless he makes, which is still a lot of money. But it's 191 unless he makes all NBA next year or wins MVP or yeah, I'm going to rule out defensive player of the year now. He's not winning that one. But like, yes. if he wins one of those. But otherwise, still, that's a, it's a huge bet for the franchise. Um, they're, they're, they're banking big. Like, that's a, look, if he's back to being himself and he can play 65 games, it's a really good team. Yeah, that is. That's it. That is. And he should be able to come back and play. I just He got rewarded yeah, with no, one hell of a contract for a guy who hasn't been available. It's, it's Yeah, it's. He he also could very much be. You know, I, I I hate to say this because the, the guy was beset by injuries, but it could be a Greg Oden type of situation, right? Where you just he ne- we never really know how great he could be because he just can't stay healthy. Hey, last one. Walk me through the Rudy Gobert deal and what Minnesota gave up to get him. And if they get into the playoffs and they have Rudy Gobert protecting the front of the rim and Carl Anthony Towns is going off for thirty in back-to-back playoff games, it's going to be tough to get a layup or a dunk or a rebound with Gobert there. But what they had to give up on the back end of that trade is enormous to me. How did you break down the numbers? Yeah, I mean, four first-round picks, plus technically this year's number 23 pick, Wally Kessler. They – here's the thing. I think that they got better. Like, the Minnesota Timberwolves are better today than they were. They are, I would say – barring injury or something strange like a lock playoff team, especially, I still think Anthony Edwards is going to be their best player. I think he's ready for a leap forward the next two years. And that's a look with Carl Anthony Towns offense. And like you said, now Rudy Gobert's defense, I think they put up a lot of wins in the regular season. And I have questions about how that team works in the playoffs. The small ball thing that drives Rudy Gobert nuts, you know, that has caused problems for him in the past. Well, now you got two bigs out there. Like I don't, I'm curious how they look in the postseason. And that said, I, they made. I still think they just overpaid. I think at the end of the day, if you're giving up that many picks and that many players, and you're doing it to get Anthony Davis for the Lakers, and you win a title, it worked. If you're, you know, who else? There was a massive. I won't say massive, but Milwaukee overpaid to get Drew Holiday. They gave up a lot to get Drew Holiday in there because they were on the verge of a championship and they won a championship. Minnesota just gave up a, a whole container ship full of, of picks and everything else. And I think they're maybe the four seed at best, yeah. four to six seed. They make the playoffs. Maybe they get to the second round if things go smoothly. 
That's a lot to give up to get there. This wasn't putting you into championship contention. I still think that they're a ways away from that, and I don't know how they get there now. See you soon, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy everything. Thank you for doing this. Take care, buddy. Thanks to Kurt Heelan for joining us at Basketball Talk. And it's crazy. There's not a lot of movement left, but there's some big, big, big potential huge ones. And as we talked about, you know what they are. And we'll see what happens with the Durant rumors to the Warriors. And I don't think he'll go there because if he does, he's tucking his tail between his leg and admitting that he was wrong for leaving. He is not Steph Curry. Steph Curry is the leader of that franchise. And for Durant, if he even considers going back to the Warriors to try to jump on the legacy train again and find his way on a championship team, I'll be shocked. But I've been shocked. And we're all shocked, and that's why sports radio is so great. Sports radio is so epic because when you don't think anything's going to happen, something huge happens. want to tell you about our friends at Virgin Hotels. they got a lot going on, especially from the restaurant side this week of July 4th. Head on out to Market Hour. The Thai food there is amazing. They have wine specials, 50% off. If you haven't tried it, Market Hour is amazing. I'm a big fan of One Steakhouse experience one steakhouse from their bar lounge the energy spills right into their restaurant where you can get the best steaks in all of vegas and todd english's olives where you often find me there at the bar saying hi to my buddy rudy they now have brunch saturdays and sundays 11 a.m to 3 p.m wine wednesdays 6 to 10 p.m and their late night music is some of the best i've seen in vegas in any lounge a catch blues performer sky d miles inside the shag room from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. What Virgin understands and gets more than anyone else is at the end of a dinner, at the end of a night, you want to see live music. And this is about as good as it gets in the shag room at Virgin Hotels. Give it a shot. And Saturday, July 9th, performances by Hawaii's finest music festival takes place inside 24 Oxford with doors at 6 p.m. Virgin Hotels proud partner of our radio show when we come back more of the nba content some of the news that's going to come up with deshaun watson as harry ruiz is in for me at the top of the hour i hope you had a great fourth of july raider nation flying your raider flags with your american flags as we continue on raider nation radio 9 20 a.m Vanizak in the backfield, slot left, branch to the right, Stabler back, looks, he goes to branch, he makes a diving catch, and I think he's got the first down and a remarkable play at the 26-yard line. Madden down along the side, gesturing, first down, first down. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, coming off the 4th of July, JT Harry Ruiz, in for me at the top of the hour, the summer of Cliff Branch, your thoughts and your kind words and your memories of Cliff going to Canton as we are in summer, man. It's going to get hot here by the end of the week. More Cliff content coming up at the end of the week. I'm off tomorrow. Harry Ruiz in for me here doing some triple dipping radio. So believe me, this is not a vacation. My vacation was to Amsterdam and the Stones a couple of weeks ago. Now we're back and uh, three different platforms. Find out what I'm doing at JT the Brick on Twitter over the next couple of days. So as I was in Southern California uh, from Thursday to Sunday, all the talk was about USC and UCLA, but more USC leaving for the Big Ten. And now that's official. They're going in 2024. They'll play in the Big Ten, and it's massive because it breaks up rivalries on the West Coast. 
It weakens the Pac-12 conference. I think it adds heartache and travel issues, and it's kind of complicated, but I think the reason behind this is the money. As I'm able to bring in one of the best reporters covering college football, Brady McCullough, kind enough to join us from the L.A. Times. And Brady, you know, I figured this out, and I know you know this too, is that Fox bought the Big Ten. And we saw a terrible TV contract with the Pac-12. And ESPN has the SEC. So I think it's getting to the point where this is a balance of power and a fight. Not so much between young football players, but for money between Fox and ESPN. And that's how they drew in USC and UCLA. How did you see it when you saw the news? Yeah, I mean, that's, there's no other way to see it. Um, you know, ever since uh, it was clear that the Big Ten was going to be renegotiating, it's already lucrative. Uh, media rights agreements uh, leading into 2024. Um, it was it was obvious that uh, that Fox was going to be making big moves to try to counter what ESPN pulled last summer, getting the SEC to take Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and it seemed pretty clear to me on USC's end they were going to have a, a tough decision to make at some point. I don't even know if it was a tough decision ultimately to take what could be 50 million dollars more a year in media rights money. Um, than what they would get with a renegotiated Pac-12 deal. Um, you know, just uh, just an unbelievable time in college sports um, that really started in 1984 uh, with the Supreme Court decision uh, to allow schools and conferences to have control over their media rights and their, their TV contracts. Everything since then has been big business, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. Let's move on to what I think is a really big deal, the travel of the Pac-12 schools playing back east or in the Midwest here. How complicated is that, or is the money such a big deal? I mean, weather-related games are a big issue for USC playing games in the wintertime at Penn State or Iowa or Illinois with an opportunity to lose a game and be knocked out of a potential playoff compared to playing out west, less travel, easier weather. I mean, that's not an issue when it comes to the money, but do you think it could come back to haunt Lincoln Riley and SC two years from now because the competition is going to be much more harder for him to make it to the playoffs. Well, I think the way this thing's headed long-term is that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be the only conferences that have any playoff teams. You know, that they're, they're in the midst of a breakaway from the rest of the division, uh, the top division. They're going to create their own thing eventually. And USC just needed to get on the arc, uh, so to speak, um, and not get left behind. Um, there's a lot of other teams that want to be on that arc right now and are, are buzzing up the Big Ten. Uh, and, and ultimately, if Lincoln Riley has USC in a position where they're playing high-level football in the Big Ten, they'll be in the playoff. If the Big Ten wanted to get two more teams out of the Pac-12, are you leaning Oregon, Washington, or is there a connection with Oregon, Oregon State? I don't think the Big Ten wants Oregon State, but who are the last two teams – to come and might the Big Ten look for teams from a different conference to join in? So our sources are that right now uh, they, the Pac-12 is not going to get poached again at this at this early stage. But my the, the next thing is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is going to have the next domino. Are they going to join the Big Ten? Are they going to sit back? Are they going to even consider maybe the SEC? I don't think so. I think they're a much better cultural fit with the Big Ten. The Notre Dame, if Notre Dame comes here at 17 and you got to find an 18, to me, I think then the calculus changes. And I think Stanford is the school that would go with Notre Dame to the Big Ten. And that would leave Oregon and Washington uh, kind of sitting going, boy, I hope they go to 20. I hope they go to 22 or 24. 
um, because it's going to be nervous times for any school that doesn't get in these initial cuts. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's interesting about Notre Dame and the leverage that they have. Brady McCullough is our guest. You know, Notre Dame, why would Notre Dame pass on that deal and stay as an independent? Can you tell me about their money and their independence and the amount of money they're getting comparable to Big Ten or SEC money? You know, it's just not even close to what the Big Ten schools are going to be getting once this renegotiation happens, and Notre Dame knows that. Um, I think they know that it's probably time, finally, for them to join a conference. Um, You know, there's just just too much money at stake, and with players now getting paid, schools are going to have to start fitting more of that bill um, as time goes by. And that they just can't, you can't have enough money in your coffers right now in college sports. I think Notre Dame's going to feel like they have to do this. Brady McCullough. Brady, what do you think about Clemson? What is Clemson thinking now from the level of competition in the ACC, the payout, and the fact that they built a hell of a program the last four or five years to think that they would have leverage in any type of move? Yeah, the payout is really, really not going to work for them long term. They're, you know, the mm-hmm. ACC schools are getting, you know, mid thirty, you know, million a year. Um, you know, that's like the Pac-12. I mean, they, they definitely they're they're going to be looking and talking to their people at ESPN, saying, "Hey, how about we earn a, a place at the table here? You know, get us moved over to the SEC. You know, do what you got to do." Uh, ESPN has control over both leagues. I think ESPN is going to be able to call the shots on who from the ACC ends up moving to the SEC in this bigger breakaway of, of the top schools that are going to be in these two, you know, quote-unquote conferences that basically span so much of the country. Um, so, I mean, I could see Clemson, Florida State, Virginia Tech, uh, maybe Miami. Miami's going to be angling to move somewhere, um, and it's going to be the networks and uh, who, are, who are ultimately pushing this along. Brady McCullough, as we wrap it up, a fascinating story about what's happened here over the last couple of days. And what did Larry Scott really do to destroy the Pac-12 with that TV deal? If we can go back in time and they could do it all over again, shouldn't the Pac-12 with direct TV and the issues they had getting on everywhere? I don't know if they should have just let Fox handle it completely, but what did they do? What was the big mistake that'll go down in history as the Pac-12 blew it and never had the money from the Big Ten Network or ESPN with the one SEC radio, that they're going to regret and talk about for decades to come? Uh, yeah, so they, um, the biggest thing he did was he made his, his TV media rights deal contract way too long. He did 12 years, and uh, he should have done five or six. You know, he, he basically got a deal that looked great in 2012, but by 20. 20, 20, even 2017, 2018 was putting the Pac-12 way behind. So that was his ultimate deal was he went way too long on the first contract that he did and, and it ultimately got them where they couldn't uh, keep up. That's the way it is. And USC fans and fans from around the country here are just trying to bring this all in and incorporate it. It's been a wild few days. Brady, thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate your work. Thank you. Of course. Thanks. Appreciate Brady joining us. So keep an eye on all this contact uh, content. His Twitter is Brady McCullough, M-C-C-O-L-L-O-U-G-H. I'm going to say it for a long time. You know, I'm not a weatherman, but USC is going to be in a tough game in the Big Ten on the road in mid-November where it is going to be ugly outside. They're not used to that weather, and they're going to lose a game. I don't know where it'll be. It might be at Penn State. It might be at Michigan. It might be at Ohio State. But I don't care who you think you are. You can't lose more than two games and make it to the college football playoff. 
unless they expand it out, and I only think there should be when it comes to a playoff, I've always said six teams, there's four now. If they bring it to eight or ten, I think we could live with it. The one and two seed get a bye week. Or if we have eight teams, the one and two seed gets a bye week. And then the next team plays in the opening round. Then those top two seeds jump in. Because you can't have three rounds of playoffs, everybody, with college students. Every play is a car accident. They're there to go to college first, fourth, second. You can't play an expansive Big Ten and Big 12 schedule with all that TV money and then add on three rounds of a playoffs. Too many kids are going to get hurt. It would happen in the NFL if you added on that much more extra games. The NFL players, the bodies are more mature. They have deeper rosters. They're professionals. They're able to do it. So if they go out to eight teams, I can live with that. But still, if you're in the Big Ten and Big 12, or especially Big Ten and SEC, you can lose a game throughout the course of the year. In the SC, you can lose to Alabama or Georgia and be okay if you can get into the conference championship game. If you lose that game, you're not going to a playoff. So you think USC is going to go and play in the Big Ten and almost go undefeated and then have the opportunity to win their conference championship game and go to a playoff? They can only do that if they have no losses going into the Big Ten championship game and they lose that game and still get into the playoffs. Because if they lose one game, which they will, in the regular season and still get to the conference championship, they got to win that game to get in. So the road is much more difficult for everyone to make the playoffs here. With four teams and before all this movement, I said that Georgia or Alabama can lose a game or maybe two and still get in. If they're head and shoulders better than Utah in the Pac-12 or Miami or another team, they're going to get in. The eyeball test and the fact that they play better competition. But now the competition is going to be insane in the Big Ten and the SEC, and you still can't lose a lot of games or it defeats the purpose about getting into the playoffs. Think of this. Lincoln Riley could have sat in the Pac-12 for the next four or five years, probably win the conference, all of those, all of those times. And if he has one of the years where he only loses one game, he's in the playoffs. Even with the Pac-12 being weakened, Lincoln Riley and USC could have stayed in the Pac-12 and had an easy road to the college football playoff. Now they don't. So good luck to USC and Lincoln Riley. Just like I say to Oklahoma and Texas, good luck going to the SEC thinking you're going to play in the conference championship game and get to the playoffs. It's almost impossible. That's where we're at. Big topic, huge story here as we continue. JT, Harry Ruiz at the top of the hour, the Latino voice of the silver and black. We're brought to you by Modelo. Hey, real cool Modelo story. My dad was with his grandsons and granddaughters on the east coast his other two are here my two sons and my dad at the beach and then back at the pool sent me a picture of him drinking a Modelo he got a kick out of the fact that Modelo is a big sponsor for us here we love Modelo and the fighting spirit so my dad he'll drink anything you put in front of him from time to time he's 83 now he asks for Modelo thanks dad and thanks to Modelo for this proud partnership JT coming up the 4th of July hope it was a good one for you as we continue on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio.
What appeals to you about Live Golf that you weren't getting from the PGA Tour? There's an obvious, um, incredible financial commitment, but more than that, there are other factors that with um, fewer tournaments, it allows me to have more balance in my life. It allows me to do things that are off the golf course. JT, welcome back again. Hope you had a great 4th of July. Thanks for joining us today. Tuesday on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Harry Ruiz at the top of the hour. He'll jump in for me as I got to take a flight to L.A. I'll be on Sirius XM tonight from Los Angeles. Uh, excited to do that. Have not been back there. First show I'm doing from the headquarters where I do my night show on Sirius pre-COVID over two years. I'll, I'll be back there tonight. So special show. Looking forward to that. If you get a chance to hear me on that, I'm on Sirius XM 82 from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, a little bit later on. And we hosted that show this week. And there's been a lot of NBA talk. But I've been fascinated by golf. Tiger Woods in Ireland tuning up his game to get ready for the Open Championship coming up here shortly. And Live Golf versus the PGA has been really fascinating. I'll get to that in a second. But quick reminder, the summer Eclipse Branch continues. A lot of imaging, new sound coming in. And next week, I really step up with the interviews with specific interviews with Clip's former teammates. He played for three Super Bowl teams, so there's a lot to choose from as we count down to Cliff going into Canton this summer exclusively here on Raider Nation 920 AM. Jay Coffin joins us, trusted friend, uh, former great insider from Golf Channel and Golf Week. Now he owns his own media company where he's president of Coffin Media, where he is a consultant in the golf world, and he joins us on Raider Nation Radio. And Jay, I was just mentioning Liv, and I want to ask you, versus the PGA Tour, it's been a couple of weeks now, and we're starting to see a little bit of promotion for Liv Golf as the PGA Tour, and we have a major coming up here in a quick period of time here. What's changed for you now with Liv? Has it been a big movement here? Sort of. I mean, it's just a sort of a slow bleed, which I think is good for Liv Golf and, and bad for the PGA Tour, right? Um, you know, three more people announced last week. You know, they're saying there may be a couple more this week before they head to New Jersey in a couple more weeks. And that slow bleed kind of keeps Live Golf in the news and continues to agitate the PGA Tour, right? And then um, that uh, Ian Poulter and a couple others are, you know, kind of got a last-minute um, temporary stay, and they're allowed to now play in the Scottish Open this week, which starts in a couple days. They're allowed to play in that. They were they were sort of banned by the European tour. And now there's a temporary stay while they look into this more and they're allowing them to play this week. So it's, so it's sort of this series of little small victories for live golf um, that I think keeps it in the news and continues to agitate the tour. Yeah. I think the tour now finding new money and realizing that they're going to have to bend with this is a really big topic. I've talked about this a lot with my golf buddies, when we have this conversation, and I just want to jump ahead that I think you can't tell the Masters what to do. You can't tell mm-hmm. the USGA what to do. If they want to invite these live golfers, they are. But the yep. ability for the Ryder Cup to tell five or six guys, Dustin Johnson, DeChambeau, really good American golfers like Kepka, that you're banned from the Ryder Cup because that's mm-hmm. more about patriotism and the flag. Do you think that could be the ultimate to try to slow down the best players going over to live? Well, maybe, but it, it, it hasn't happened. It, it, it's sort of consequences be damned, right? We're going to do it now, and we're going to figure out figure it out later. We're going we're gonna to jump now. We're going to take the paycheck. We're going to hope this stuff doesn't happen, and if it does, we'll maybe fight it, and whatever happens, happens. And I think you're right. 
you're right. I mean, the Ryder Cup as we know it is completely different if none of these people have anything to do with it again, right? But talk about who's going to be European captains for the next 10 years, next 15 years without Sergio mm-hmm. and Coulter and Graham McDowell and, you know, Lee Westwood. You know, after Stinson, who do we have? Um, you know, on the U.S., you mentioned all those people. Even the President's Cup, you know, which the President's Cup is obviously a smaller stage than the Ryder Cup, but it's the U.S. versus the rest of the world. And it's the PGA Tour trying to show the bigness of that event. Well, now there's no Louis Eustazen. There's no Abraham answer for the international team. This thing has so many more tentacles, JT, than I think we can even think about right now, which is, again, which sort of makes it fascinating, um, but keeps it in the news. We, we just don't know. We think we know sort of all the tentacles it has, but until, until it plays out, we really kind of just don't. Uh, Jay Coffin, Golf Insider, kind enough to join us. I'm amazed by the money. Brandon Grace won $4 million for winning at Pumpkin Ridge. $4 million, and that's more than a third of what he's made his entire career of the $12 million. So by winning an event, one event, and this doesn't add on the team money on top of that if he doesn't win, he can put enough money in the bank after taxes to set up his family for the rest of his life. And that's why Pat Perez and other American golfers are looking at it. Patrick Reed going, wait a second. Even if I play here for two years before it blows up or it doesn't work out or for some reason it collapses, I can cash four, eight, ten million dollars that I'd never would on the PGA tour. And yep. I know, look, Saudi, Saudi's involved with a lot of stuff in America. All right. We have presidents in Saudi Arabia. We have executives who live there. There's a lot of business we do with Saudi Arabia. And I think more and more when PGA golfers see guys like Grace, who they know they can beat, make four million yes. for an event, they're going to consider the move. That's the key. That's the key right there. Sergio Garcia can't make a five-footer to save his life. You know, guys like Brandon Grace, you know, this, this, this is going to ego, you know, it, you know as well as I do from being around a long time, like ego is a crazy thing, right? You know, you, a guy like Brooks Kepka, it was only a matter of time. He saw his brother, his brother, who isn't, you know, one quarter the player that he is, went to the first live golf event. You think there wasn't a little bit of jealousy about how much money his brother made? And then all of a sudden, Bryson DeChambeau made the jump, who is Brooks Kepka's biggest rival, you know, the, the guy that he likes the least in the tour. So in the previous week, you've got his brother, you've got his biggest rival that are all just jumping on heaps of money. He knows he's as good or better than them. And so it sort of breaks down to all of sort of, you know, Joe, middle of the line, number 50, 60, 70 in the world. They're better than Sergio Garcia right now. On many days, they're better than Patrick Reed. They're better than Lee Westwood, those guys. So I think that's where it gets dangerous is, you're right, some of these guys that are sort of, you know, these guys that are out there not now did what I said. They jumped out there, consequences be damned, we'll figure it out later. But there is sort of a second wave, maybe the Ricky Fowlers of the world, some of these other guys, Sam Burns, these names that we keep hearing that are sort of playing wait and see. Let's see how it goes. If this can sort of sustain itself for a year, may jump in in year two, maybe not collect as much as, as some of these guys did in year one, but jump in, jump in year two, collect the heaps of money, and then beat up on all these guys that they know they should be beating up on anyway. Golf insider Jay Coffin as we wrap it up. So, Tell me about Tiger, because when I've always predicted that he'd cut, he'd tie Jack, I thought he would go past Jack, and then the accident came. So 
The reason why is I think it could be in contention of the Masters, but more importantly, I thought the Open Championship from Watson yeah. a couple of years yeah. ago to his mid to late 50s, and I always thought that Tiger knows the British Open courses so much better than other yeah. Americans. Not better than all the Europeans, but with his track record. So when he plays at St. Andrews coming up or some of the smaller courses that are out there that has more links golf, where he doesn't have to blow it, you know, 380 down the middle and hope he's in between two bunkers. He can drive yeah. it and manipulate the ball and fade it and shape it. Do you give Tiger a better chance to win an open championship the rest of his career if he wins another major compared to the other three American events on American soil? Yeah, for sure. It's that. And that's 1A and 1B is the Masters. I mean, I think you can throw away the U.S. Open and the PGA. Yeah. I mean, if he was being honest, I don't think he cares if he ever played those again. They're just hard. They're hard walks. They're just, they're just everything about them are difficult and at his age and sort of where his body is. I, I think that wouldn't make him sad at all. I do think it's the Open because a couple things. For exactly what you said, he knows these golf courses. They're not really hard necessarily. Sure, Carnoustie gets really hard. They call it Carnasty. Muirfield may get, you know, you may get weather. It could get cold. You could get on the bad side of the draw. But you know what? It could be warm and he could get on the right side of the draw. You know, things like that. He's been on the right side more often than he's been on the wrong side over his career. So St. Andrews. They'll go back to St. Andrews in another couple of years. You know, they're going to go back to Liverpool, which is a place where he's had success. They're going to go back to Troon, which is a place where he's played well. These are not long golf courses. They're not hard. He can plod. He can dink and dunk. He can keep it in play. They're slower greens. Slower greens, you can just ram it, hit it as hard as you can from 30 feet and get it to the hole. Yes, it's absolutely a place where he can contend. Still needs his body to help him out a little bit. Great to talk to you, my friend. Really enjoy our conversations about golf. And there's a big topic with Liv, and I'm happy you could uh, give us your opinions on it. Thanks for doing this. I, I thank you very much. Same to you, buddy. Appreciate Jay joining us as we mix in golf as Liv is big, the PGA Tour is big, the payouts are massive, and let's see what Tiger can do at St. Andrews, the home of golf coming up here. Let's see if Tiger Woods can come in and make the cut because you want to see him win major championships, but making the cut is the first step in winning a major championship, and I want to see how that plays out. Deshaun Watson hearing results. Any breaking news with the Raiders? Any breaking news today on Kevin Durant? Or Kyrie Irving, uh, Harry Ruiz will be here the next hour. Follow Harry and give him a call here. And we'll get ready for the NFL in about two weeks as the Raiders get set for training camp. Rookies come in first. Then the veterans come in right after that at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center out in Henderson, Nevada. Remember, the Raiders start camp before every other team in the NFL. Something that we'll talk about all year long. Hopefully a benefit to Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Mad Max Crosby, Trayvon Merrig, and this entire team here. Maybe an extra week head start helps this team grab an extra win in preparation later on this season. At JT the Brick on Twitter and Facebook. And thanks to all of our partners, including Sam and Ash, SamandAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Want to feature Remy Martin, the botanist, Gin. If you're looking for a cool, refreshing gin for the rest of the summer, give Botanist a try. Virgin Hotels. We're talking about everything from the restaurants to outside at the pool to all the live entertainment coming. My home for Monday Night Football is Resorts World and Eight Cigar Lounge. Resorts World, the newest luxury property on the Strip. And PTs, as they fuel the monologue. Appreciate PTs and everything they do. MeetupVegas.com. Oh, man. What a barbecue yesterday. 
ground beef burgers, steaks, and even their dogs were fascinatingly great. Go to meetupvegas.com, code word JT Brick. And we'll be having Grimaldi's. we got friends in town on the back end of this week. Grimaldi's, best pizza I've ever had. Harry Ruiz, right here at the top of the hour. We'll see you back here on Thursday as we wrap up the week here. So jump on in. And thanks for listening to the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.